Do you guys ever tell the day you were born stories? My wife Chan is a great storyteller and she loves to tell the day you were born stories for all four of our kids. And she usually tells them every year on their birthday. Now, uh, Ben was our first and man, that was a wild night when Ben was born. Chan begins the story. She loves to begin the story by saying how proud she is of me for making it through the Lamaze classes and also for having the go bag already. And now the go bag is the bag that you've got waiting in the hallway um, in case you've got to rush to the hospital. And so you put things in it like favorite pajamas, comfortable slippers, um, you know, maybe, maybe some nice clothes to change into on the second day. Um, a bag full of sour apple flavored Charms Blow Pops. You know, the kind that have the gum on the inside. Um, and our bag also had enough gummy bears to last for about a year. So the go bag was all ready. Um, we were all ready, except Ben caught us off guard because he decided to come three weeks early. And Ben's little show started at midnight. And so Chan kicks me awake and she says, I think my water just broke. And I'm like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, it's gonna be fine. Um, let's go back to sleep. Uh, the Lamaze teacher said um, that we can go back to sleep, that this is gonna take a really long time. About 15 minutes later, she kicks me awake again. And, and she says, Honey, I think I just felt a contraction. And I'm like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. I was like, okay, um, it's gonna be fine. The Lamaze teacher told us that we've got to start timing them. And so uh, 10 minutes later, she kicks me awake again. And so we called the doctor. And the doctor was like, well, since you're 45 minutes away, why don't you guys come on in? And I'm like, okay, darling, the Lamaze teacher said that you need to get a shower and to, to pretty yourself up, put your makeup on, do your hair, because it's gonna be a long ordeal and you wanna feel all refreshed and, and pretty. And so she does, she's getting ready. I go into the hallway just to check the go bag, make sure everything's still there, make sure that the go bag is, is good to go. And it was, and while I'm doing that, there's this screaming coming from the bathroom and I go running. Long story short, the baby's coming, we gotta go. So I get Chan into the car and she's just in her bathrobe, her hair is dripping wet and we go. I didn't tell her that the car was almost out of gas and we had a long way to go. When we got stopped by the train, a very long train, I knew that we were in trouble. So I said, honey, we need to practice our breathing exercises. She's over in the passenger seat, kind of doubled over, breathing really hard and fast. And I'm like, now babe, the Lamaze teacher said that in the beginning of labor, it's a soft and gentle breathing. Like you don't start breathing hard and fast like that. Um, until the baby's actually coming. And she gave me that look, you know, 
Uh, well, I don't, know, I don't know how we made it to the hospital in time, but we did. And at the door, um, it, it was locked. There was the little intercom. Um, and the, the nurse comes over the intercom and says, can I help you? And before I could politely respond, um, all of a sudden there's this <laughs> guttural scream coming from Chan. And the next thing I know, this team of nurses is running towards us with a wheelchair. Um, the rest of it is, is kind of a blur for me. Um, but in the end, when it was all said and done, we had this beautiful baby boy that, that changed our world forever. In this week's uh, chapter of uh, All the Good, A Wesleyan Way of Christmas, um, uh, many of you have, have probably read the story, Amy Valdez Barker, she tells the day she was born story. Um, she says, my mother told this story almost every Christmas growing up. It started with, do you remember that cold Christmas Eve at the Menorah Hospital? Uh, Dad had to go so that he could open the church for the Christmas Eve service. And it was just you and me, Amy. Uh, the only thing I remember was the song Little Drummer Boy playing on the radio all night long while I held my newborn baby girl. She always told it as though she expected me to remember that night, as if it was supposed to be a memory etched forever in my mind. Uh, this is the image of me as a newborn infant and my mother, a young immigrant woman whose husband was a student pastor serving as the church janitor, stuck in a hospital room with low lights and a radio playing softly in the background, those haunting, unforgettable lyrics, come they told me, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. It's one of my favorite songs, actually. <laughs> She says, I don't remember it, but I always remember her telling me the story year after year so it would be cemented in my mind. The beauty of that memory is that it has become a foundation to my identity. It is the story that defines me and the song that reminds me who I am and to whom I belong. I wonder if Mary ever told Jesus uh, his the day you were born story. You know, Luke records uh, in chapter 2 twice that, that Mary uh, treasured these things in her heart, these things that were happening to her. So I'm guessing that um, she probably did tell Jesus the stories. We tell them every year. They're cozy to me, you know, like this. Uh, the, the warm stable, um, the, the shepherds, the sheep, camels, the donkey. I don't imagine uh, it was all that cozy, though. I, I found an article in the L.A. Times um, by a, an archaeology professor, uh, James F. Strange, a, a New Testament professor um, of biblical archaeology uh, at the University of South Florida. And, and he's talking about this, this journey um, that, that Mary and Joseph would have had to make, you know, from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Uh, he said it would have been 90 miles that they would have had to travel, south along the flatlands of the Jordan River, um, then west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem, and then on into Bethlehem. And he said that it would have been a grueling trip. Um, he also said that a trip through the Judean desert um, that it would have 
it would have probably been in, in the winter uh, when it's in the 30s during the day and he says it rains like heck. Uh, it's nasty, miserable, and at night it would be freezing. He said that the hilly trails would be unpaved and that the harsh weather um, and the terrain weren't the only hazards. <laughs> he said the most terrifying dangers in ancient Palestine was the heavily forested valley of the Jordan River. He said that there would be lions, bears, and wild boars. And I read that and I'm like, are you kidding me? Lions and tigers and bears? Really? That's what he says. Um, ar archaeologists have unearthed documents warning travelers of the forest dangers. Like, who knew? And then he talked about the bandits and the pirates of the desert uh, and, and robbers um, that, were, that were common hazards. Uh, we kind of know about that, like from the story of the Good Samaritan. So, like that would have been a tough night for them. It was a wild mess. But you know, the mess started long before that, that night, uh, long before the birthday story. The first verse of the New Testament, um, it reads, Matthew starts, um, the New Testament with this. An account of the genealogy, the little footnote says, or birth, an account of the birth of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So Matthew starts the New Testament with um, the story of the day Jesus was born, and he begins that with the genealogy of Jesus. Now, uh, this genealogy, we've talked about it before, it's really kind of scandalous. It's not a normal genealogy. First of all, um, there are women in this genealogy, and that wasn't normal. Women did not make uh, the genealogical lists, primarily because there wasn't a lot of value placed on them, and um, they were viewed more as, as property uh, than as, as a part of that process, even though they were obviously a very big part of that process. And so in the, the, the genealogy of Jesus, we find Tamar. Tamar, her story with her father-in-law Judah, it's a pretty scandalous story. Um, her father-in-law Judah did not do what was required by the law when, when her son, Jude, when, when Judah's son, her husband died uh, and she had no children. The younger brother was supposed to step in and then the younger brother was supposed to step in. Uh, none of that was happening. Um, and so she tricked him, she deceived him, she pretended to be a prostitute um, and uh, she had a baby. <laughs> well, we find Rahab. Rahab, the Canaanite harlot who helps Joshua. Uh, there is Ruth. Now, Ruth um, was from Moab, and uh, the Moabites were a, a hated, despised alien nation. Like, the Jewish people um, really believed that, that in the end of days, God was going to judge them, and it was, it was coming, uh, you know, going to fall down on them hard. And so, for uh, Ruth, a Moabitess, to be a part of the genealogy, uh, that, was, that was trouble. And then um, David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. It doesn't give her name, but we know it. It's Bathsheba. Uh, Bathsheba uh, probably really wasn't her fault because David was the king. Uh, David seduces her. They commit adultery. She becomes pregnant. 
not, not only are there women in the genealogy, which, which wasn't normal uh, and which people would have looked sideways about, but, but the men in the story, um, it, there's just a lot of brokenness. We just mentioned David, uh, adultery, um, dishonesty, murder, uh, Abraham, uh, he lied a good bit, uh, Judah, um, probably at, at every turn we see it. Uh, it was a scandal. In verse 18, now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph. Now, we know about engagements. Uh, we know the nuances of it because we might remember our own engagements or uh, the, the engagements of our kids or, or our close friends. Nowadays, it's a thing to have engagement parties. And so we've attended some of those and um, we, we kind of we get the rhythm of it. Um, well, uh, in, engagements... Um, and, and the traditions of that, expectations of that, um, they can vary from culture to culture. It's important for us to know and understand like what was going on here. Um, Joseph was engaged to Mary, and um, in, in Jewish culture, engagement was um, really much more binding than, than anything that, that we would know. You couldn't just easily get out of it, like return the ring and say, sorry, I'm having second thoughts. Um, like it was a lasting agreement and that, that it could only be broken um, by a divorce. And, and in, in Jewish culture, if the bride-to-be uh, was unfaithful, well, like that was a really big deal. And in fact, the punishment for that would be death. So the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child. And Joseph had nothing to do with it. And he knew that. I think about Joseph in this story, um, and it makes me sad to think about how he felt. It was a painful story. And so, Matthew tells us, Joseph is a good guy. And he saves her from the death penalty and decides to dismiss her quietly. Now, my question in this is, is like, well, didn't Mary, like, tell him what happened? I mean, we've looked at the stories in Luke's gospel, like angels show up. And, and the angel Gabriel comes to Mary in Luke chapter 1 and, and like, tells her what's going on. Like, the, the Holy Spirit is involved. Like, this is going to be the Son of God, uh, the throne of David, save people from sins, you know? And um, you know Mary, surely she had to tell him all that. And so I guess Joseph just didn't believe her until uh, Joseph had his own encounter with the angel. And the angel appears and says, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from the scandal and from the brokenness. And so Joseph hangs in there, and then we get to today's story. And a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all should go to their hometowns and be taxed. And so Mary and Joseph, maybe on a donkey, 
make that 90-mile journey from Nazareth to the hill uh, country, through the hill country of Galilee uh, to Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, when we look at our own stories and we think about our, our own genealogies, I mean, there's a lot of great stories. There's, there's a lot of good stuff. But I imagine, too, that um, they're, they're wrought with, with scandal, that they can be painful, you know? Like, this happened to me when I was just a child, or, you know, I, I can't believe the, the things that I've done. I, I can't believe the friends that I chose. I, I can't believe the way that I hurt people. I can't believe how I've hurt the people that I love the most. I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe the complacency. I, I, I can't believe the missed opportunities. I can't believe the disobedience. Like God calls me to go one way and I choose to go my, my own way. And we can be haunted by the scandal and um, get to this place where uh, I say, I'm just not good enough. I, I, I can't be included. I've made too many mistakes. And so every year, we tell Jesus's the day you were born story. God breaks into our world and the route was scandalous, crazy, so full of, of, of brokenness and, and pain. It was just littered with it. But every year we tell it, and every year we remember that it's a beautiful story. It's filled with hope. I, I really like what our author said in, in her story. The beauty of that memory is that it has become a foundation to my identity. It is the story that defines me that reminds me who I am and to whom I belong. Nicodemus comes to, to Jesus at night. He's curious about who Jesus is. You know, he's heard all the stories. He, he's curious about his faith journey. And you remember what Jesus said to him. Jesus says, uh, you must be born again. Paul writes to uh, the church in Galatia. He says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has spent, sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. I have this picture of that day, the day that our first son, Ben, was born. See, there were complications. It was an emergency C-section. They whisked him away. I didn't get to be in there with her. 
they, they, they took him um, off to some room where they had to try to fix his hip and do different things. And it was crazy, but it was hours before Chan got to see her baby. It was awful. And I'll never forget, and we have it captured in this picture, the moment they brought Ben into the room and laid him in her arms, and that look of such deep love, the, the lower lip quivering, the tears filling with eyes. You know, God loves like that. And the world begins to know it the day Jesus is born. Amen. Oh,